What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Howdy, partners. Welcome to another episode of the MLS (laughs) Multiplex Podcast. (laughs) What the hell? I... There's no response to that. What was that intro? What did we turn into Texans all of a sudden or something? It was a Ricardo Pepe inspired opening. <laughs> all right, so Drew's lost it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the MLS Multiplex podcast. As always, Connor Somerville with Drew Hubbard, who did the weird, weird intro, and Josh Boland uh, coming back for. Probably a long podcast, despite us probably wanting it to be shorter because everything happened. Uh, but we'll get into that first, though. We need to start off with how both of you two gentlemen are doing. Uh, it's for some of us. We're now or for one of us is now midway through the second week of their semester. Uh, it's been a challenging week, I think, all around. But we will try to keep things light after we get into how everybody's doing. Drew, you never get to go first because you're always doing the intro. You go first. I know. Wow. I need to start doing dumb intros more often. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. Um, School, like you said, I am about... Halfway through my second full week of classes, college football starts this week. I will be traveling to Charlotte, North Carolina, Saturday morning to cover Georgia and Clemson. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, getting ready for football to start back. Uh, had a lot of people talking about a lot of stuff. This is a big game, so that's kind of taken over my world as of late. But it's been exciting. Preseason football's over, so we don't have to deal with that crap anymore. Uh, the Braves are in first place in the division. They lost to the Dodgers yesterday, so that's kind of lame. And, yeah, school newspaper stuff, cracking at it. I was just at the office for, like, much longer than usual getting this paper ready to go, but we're out of there, and now we're ready to talk some MLS because, like you said, Connor, a lot of stuff happened, and it was a fun week, a lot of games going on. So I'm hanging in there. I'm doing pretty good. School's kind of sucks, but I don't think that's ever going to change. One more semester almost there josh how is it going with you uh, it is it's going all right uh it definitely was a tougher week than usual for me um but there were still some some good moments in there um went to the Atlanta united game which now i think about it was not so great because Atlanta United lost to nothing but i did see drew from a marta train <laughs> on my yeah i forgot about that brief. oh my gosh um, yeah, I don't even know why I was looking onto the platform, but I was already on the train uh, with my friend who I went to the game with. We were back going back to his place, and I just like looked over my shoulder and 
looked over at the platform and there you were standing there and I'm thinking he has to look over here for me to get his attention because I'm not about to like stand up on this train and like make myself big for him <laughs> to see me. So you happen to look over and I like waved at you. But um, and so, yeah, that, that was, I guess, the highlight of the game because the game itself kind of sucked. Um, I'm happy <laughs> to be the highlight. By the way, you were lucky because I guess you got to take uh you get to be happy about that game since one of your favorite teams ended up winning since both of them are your favorite teams, but either way. Yeah. I was wearing an, uh, an MLS shirt cause I didn't want to wear an Atlanta shirt. Didn't want to wear a Nashville shirt. I just found an MLS shirt, like a, Rob Lowe. what's his name at the uh, Super Bowl? that, yeah, I was the Rob Lowe of that game. Yeah. So that was a, it was a rough game for Atlanta. They definitely didn't know what to do with, uh, with the Nashville's defense, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I had a good time going regardless. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, just a, just a tough week. I had a friend suddenly pass away on Friday and was very, very taken aback and surprised by that news, obviously. Um, and it's, you know, super sad and I miss him a lot already. But the reason why I bring it up is just to say that, you know, make sure whoever, whoever you are listening to this and, you know, I already told this to you guys, but just make sure that the people in your life that you love know that you love them. Um, you know, the chances of something happening to someone, you know, is minuscule, but it never hurts to, to let the people in your life know how you feel. So just make sure you are taking the time to do that. I I used to be pretty good about just generally reaching out to my friends and family and telling them that, you know, I love them and checking up on them or whatever, what have you, especially during the pandemic, I got pretty good at it, but I haven't been doing it so much lately. So I need to get back into the back into the routine of, of reaching out to all those, those people that are important to me. But other than that, it was, again, you know, it was a tough week, but that's life sometimes. So I'll move on. Uh, Connor, how was your week? Just feels like the Debbie Downer podcast right now. Uh, high, high stress. We're less than, or no, just over a week. Uh, tomorrow will be exactly a week from starting the semester. So, my stress levels are through the top of my head at this point. Um, anxiety is eating me alive, <laughs> which is always fun, but that's been the entire summer. So is what it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, right now Canada is playing the U S women's team in hockey for the gold medal in the world championships. And when I left, it was two, two. So We'll see if that turns into everything and whether or not that'll be a good result or not. And by the time that you hear this next podcast, one of, or either I will, or Josh and Drew will be, um, let's just say not as kind to the other party as Canada and the U S will play each other in men's soccer. Uh, and looking forward to that Sunday night, but yeah, uh, I don't really, I guess we can dive into everything, but first we need to hear from our sponsor. Yes, before we start with our episode today, as usual, a quick reminder about Manscaped's newest product, the Lawnmower 4.0, which is included in their performance package 4.0. The package includes the Weed Whacker, which is waterproof so you can shave in the shower. And we have a special offer for our listeners. You can get the Performance Package 4.0 for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. 
it's a really good deal, really good offer that only listener our listeners can get. So highly encourage you guys to take advantage of that because it's an awesome offer. Speaking of awesome things, we had a lot of North Americans abroad. And I mean a lot. Some of these guys, I'm not going to lie, I've never heard of. But we're going to divide them up and we're going to conquer this. But I'm going to start us off. Defender Cameron Carter Vickers' loan to Celtic. Is it Celtic or Celtic? I've heard it both Celtic. ways. Celtic. Celtic. Okay. Her loan to Celtic from Spurs. Man, I know we were talking about basketball on this podcast. Again, a proper response to that abysmal joke. <laughs> Nice. So he was transferred from the Boston Celtics to the San Antonio Spurs. Striker Matthew Hoppa transferred to Mallorca from Schalke. We've talked about him a little bit. He's died off just a little bit, but he's going to transfer. We're going to keep rolling into this. Defender Chris Richards loaned back to Hoffenheim from Bayern Munich. I haven't seen a whole lot about that move, but it definitely did happen because it's in the docks. Midfielder Jack DeFries joins Venezia on loan. He's 19 from the Philadelphia Union. I The only thing I know about this is because I saw it on Twitter. I know nothing about it. I just think it's really weird that Venezia is back on the MLS bandwagon. But that's cool. Another transfer that really just came out of nowhere. I've never heard of this guy. So that's exciting to see. <laughs> Josh is just nodding his head in disappointment right now. Um, <laughs> not nodding. We had this discussion. Oh last man, podcast. I get it backwards, man. Shaking. This is rough. Sh- shaking, nodding. I think it's all the same. But Connor, do you want to finish taking us through North Americans abroad? Sure. Uh, Eric Palmer Brown, defender from Manchester City, was loaned to League Unside League Unside Troy. Uh, so we'll see. I guess he'll probably get minutes for them. Uh, Justin Che from DC, not DC. FC Dallas, the other abbreviation, uh, is expected to join Bayern Munich following the conclusion of Dallas's MLS season during the January transfer window, and that move's been rumored for a very long time. Uh, other transfer news, Nico Giuicini is loaned out to Ligue 1 side Montpellier from Ligue 2 side Caen, uh, so we'll see whether or not he gets a good amount of run in Ligue 1, uh, because he's been all right in League 2. Uh, and there were some goals. Actually, one more transfer, which we didn't put in the dock, and I'm including it even though he probably isn't going to play for them. But Daniel Jebison uh, was loaned from Sheffield United to a team in League 1 in England. I'm blanking on the name uh, currently. But that's the one Canadian that I'll include in this. And we still don't know whether or not Eustekiu was moved. Uh, there was rumors surrounding him going to Fenerbahce. Uh, but goals also happened because soccer continued to be played. Uh, Gio Reyna scored for Dortmund on Saturday. Haji Reyna got a hat trick for Antiali Espor um, in Turkey. And Brendan Aronson scored for Salzburg as they advanced to the UCL group stage. After firing through all of those different things, we're not going to talk about each one individually because otherwise this podcast would be four hours long. Instead, each of us are going to pick their most notable and favorite move of the transfer window, which closed today. Who who wants to go first? Because you have a lot to pick from. I will go first. Uh... I think I'm going to go with Matthew Hoppy. Uh, <laughs> the reason why I say no, I think... No, Hoppapa. Hoppapa. <laughs> the reason why I'm going with Matthew Hoppy 
is because uh, I am expecting him to be able to play striker for Mallorca. Uh, he was getting used on the wing a lot this summer with the U.S. And I believe he was being played a striker with Schalke like the entirety of his time there. I just hope that Mallorca don't uh, don't feel like they have to play him anywhere else other than striker. But but hopefully he can lead the line. I mean, this is a La Liga team. And so that's really exciting. I think they are back in La Liga this season. I believe they were relegated before. Um, also notable about this is Stu Holden is an owner for Mallorca, as is Kyle Martino, who used to be with NBC for the Premier League coverage and is, I believe, a former U.S. men's national team player as well. So both he and Stu Holden, and I think Steve Nash is involved in the ownership as well, I want to say. Not entirely sure about that. Uh, but so he owns two teams. It is like, I mean, the dude loves soccer, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was in there along with it. But, uh, but yeah, I think I'm most excited for Hoppy being at Mallorca. Let him get into a role where he's a starter and he's really important for the team. It'll be really fun to see what he can do from there. And, you know, it'll be fun to just see him in La Liga in general. As, you know, we went, we went from having like no Americans in La Liga a year ago to now it's Serginho Dest and Yunus Musa and, Hoppy, and I'm assuming there's a couple others that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but it's kind of funny how it's it's starting to change so quickly. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Hoppy. What about you guys? I'm going to go with, let's see here. Who am I going to go with? I'm going to go with Chris Richards. <laughs> I think I just took Connors. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Chris Richards again. I think he's still in this weird kind of developmental stage. Haven't seen him play a whole lot for Bayern Munich, and hopefully getting this loan back to Hoffenheim from Munich will increase minutes. And when you're playing in the Bundesliga, if you're getting consistent minutes, you're going to play against some really good teams, playing against Bayern Munich, playing against Dortmund, playing against Leipzig and teams like that. So I'm excited for him. Hopefully he gets minutes because I think I saw like a study that said for these younger players it's not so much about what team you're playing for but it's just about getting consistent minutes so if he's getting those minutes in one of the best leagues in the world I think that's only good things for the United States and for him so I'm going to say Chris Richards loaned back to Hoffenheim from Bayern Munich Connor what was your number two North Americans abroad moment aside from Chris Richards well, yes, you did steal Chris Richards from me. Uh, but I'm going to go with Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, going to Celtic. As a Scottish heritage person, um, anytime I see a North American go to Scotland, I'm happy uh, because Scotland's great. And if you've never been, you should go. But I think it's good because he's going to get minutes. And as a defender who is, I believe, primarily a center back but can play left back, uh, I think... I might be wrong on that, but getting minutes uh, where he wouldn't have gotten minutes with Tottenham is huge and will be really good for his development because he's still relatively young. I think he's only like 22. So potential option for the U.S. men's national team if they continue to strengthen their back line. Uh, Maybe they can turn him into their desperately, desperately needed left back, but Unless either of you have anything you want to add in terms of the transfers, we got through that a lot quicker than I thought we would. Uh, I fully thought we'd got we would get hung up on somebody's name, uh, and by we I mean Drew. But uh, round of applause happy to, to be Drew. Here. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I'm happy you, to be here. You did I like well. to thank my sponsors, Manscaped <laughs> and Fansided. Yeah, 
our sponsors, Manscaped and Fansided. Shout out to them. But let's get into some MLS news because it wasn't just international transfers that went down today. There were some MLS transfers as well. Uh, we'll start with the big one, which sort of came out of nowhere. There weren't really any rumors until all of a sudden there were big rumors. Uh, and that being Diego Rossi being transferred from LAFC to Fenerbahce. Uh, it's going to be a loan with an option to buy. Uh, the f- reported fee is going to be around, I think, 8 to $10 million Is That's all? <sighs> it's a depressed market Weird. is all I'll say. A depressed oh, sure. market. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, I guess we should get your thoughts, Josh, because... Oh, I've been not, so excited about... I'm so excited about this. <laughs> you're not a... You're clearly not a Diego Rossi fan, as has been made very hey, apparent over the last year plus of us doing podcasts. He's a good player, and he's a goal scorer, and he's good at soccer, uh, but he is not as good as everybody says he is. And I think there's a reason why, one, it took so long to get rid of him, and then two, why they were only able to get him over to Fenerbahce for 8 to $10 million. You're telling me that this Uruguayan winger, who literally just won the Golden Boot last year, could only get 8 to $10 million for a team in Turkey? I don't know. It seems weird to me. It's a depressed market, is what I'll say to that. It is. Okay, then why was Gianluca Busio able to go to Italy for more than that? I know he's younger, and that's obviously a big factor. However, Diego Rossi is not old. He's in his prime. He probably should have gone to a bigger club for maybe a little bit larger of a fee. But you know what? He's just not that good. So to me, this makes sense. Drew, what are your thoughts on this move? I am not on the Diego Rossi is overrated bandwagon as much as Josh's, but I will give him this one. He, all signs are pointing toward Josh being right. I think it's pretty sketchy because if you had told me a week ago he's going to Turkey for eight to ten mil, you're kind of gonna like tilt your head like that's that's it. That's the big move we've been waiting for. So much like the market, I was pretty depressed when I saw this move because I was like, this sucks. (laughs) Man, I'm firing on all cylinders, man. Dude, I don't know. I'm on fire tonight, boys. That's, I don't think I'd say fire, um, but sure. He's on something. Yeah, that is, yeah. On something is a good way of putting it. Uh, but that was a deal we transfer, and this kind of blew me away. Cole Bassett turned down a move to Benfica, uh, which would have been a record transfer for Col- uh, Colorado. What is he thinking, and Why? I actually think this is a, a bit of a, a wise move for Bassett, for himself. So one, he the reason why he's staying or a big part of it is because he wants to help Colorado get a trophy this year, right? So I think that in and of itself is admirable. I mean, this is his, this is his club. He is a homegrown. So I think that's important to factor in. The other important piece of this is apparently the move to Benfica was for him to be with their B team. And I don't know if I like that for him, especially since there are other teams involved. It was a little bit more complicated than that. He was going to train with the A team, but play games with the B team to start. And so I think case, it was to get him consistent minutes. I mean, that's fine and all, but I think he's better off, at least for his development long term, 
playing the rest of the season in MLS as opposed to a half season with a B team in Portugal. No offense to the B teams in Portugal, but this is probably better for his development in the long run. Also, I don't think those offers are going to go away. I mean, maybe they'll, you know, drop down a little bit in fees depending on how the rest of his season goes. Uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't suffer an injury, a severe injury of any kind. That would be heartbreaking. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand where Bassett is coming from in terms of turning down this move and wanting to stay with Colorado. It is unique, of course. I don't I don't know the last time any of us have heard of an MLS player turning down a move abroad. Um and especially as such a young player and for a club record fee. But at the same time, I get it. And that's that's just how I kind of feel about it. I, I totally understand where he's coming from. And I think it's a very mature move for someone of his age. Drew, what are your thoughts on Bassett turning down the transfer? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's just a gutsy move from a 20-year-old, right? Yeah, he's betting on himself. He's saying... Thank you, but I want to win a trophy with my home club. Like Josh said, he's from somewhere in Colorado. I can't think of the city. But he's betting on himself. He's, yeah, trying to get more, trying to go further, trying to win a trophy with Colorado. So hope the best. Hopefully he doesn't come back and fire and hurt him because obviously, you know, when you do something like this, there's a risk of unfortunately getting injured or just going in a bad run of form to decrease your value. So he's taking a risk on it, but he's betting on himself, and you have to respect that. And hopefully it works out for him because that would be pretty cool to see a team like Colorado crank out a homegrown signing to go to Europe. Because when you think of homegrowns going to Europe, I don't think the first club that comes to your mind is the Colorado Rapids. So this would be pretty cool to see them do it. Didn't they just sell a guy homegrown? See, the fact that you're saying, didn't they just sign a guy is exactly the point. sell a guy. Sell a guy. It's like, not like Dallas where it's like, oh, the whole club's going to Europe at one point. No, because Dallas is a very unique team in that front with their relationship with Bayern. But we won't. We don't have to get into that. Continue with your thoughts on Bassett. Excited about it. Hopefully, hopefully he wins a trophy. I'm kind of pulling for him now. Maybe I'm a fan of Colorado now. Who knows? Maybe I'll have come in next week with a Colorado jersey on. You can join me on that bandwagon uh, as Colorado supporters because they were for a time there, basically TFC too. Uh, but unfortunate news in MLS uh, was what happened Sunday night, which we'll talk about that game. But Eric Williamson uh, suffered a torn ACL. Uh, he'll be up for the rest of the season, uh, period. Tough, tough break for a guy who was having a really good season and was starting to sort of push, his, push himself into the picture of being kind of a regular for the U.S. Wins National Team. Um Either of you have any thoughts on Williamson's injury? Uh, how big of an impact do you think this is going to have on Portland for the rest of the season? And yeah, there's not really anything else to ask apart from those two questions. Just brutal for Portland. He's such an important player for them. So they're already struggling as is in terms of, um, you know, like comfortably making the playoffs. And this is only going to hurt that. I will say they rebounded well the rest of the game without him playing. Uh, but long-term, this is going to cause problems for them. Also want to throw in, because I forgot to add it to the doc, but um, and we briefly talked about it in our Slack, but Kevin Molino is also out for 9 to 12 months because of an ACL surgery. So that's another blow to Columbus. Not that he was contributing much, and not that they're very competitive right now, uh, but in terms of long-term, you know, it really sucks for two exciting players, and Eric Williamson and Kevin Molino, to be dealing with 
such tough ACL injuries. I feel like every time a player gets an ACL injury, whether it's Joseph or a bear or Sebastian Blanco, we learn about just how difficult it is for these players to be away from the game for so long and the complications that come from these surgeries and such severe injuries. So I just, uh, you know, I feel bad for the players and, you know, good luck to them on their recoveries. Yeah, just a tough blow for Portland um, because you look at the injuries this team has already had to deal with, and it kind of felt like maybe they were starting to turn the corner as far as getting healthy goes, and they go on the road and beat Seattle. And then to have something like this just really stings. There's a little bit of negativity in that really big road win, which I think you could look at it and say this might be a turning point in Portland's season. It's never easy to go to Seattle and win, but that that's got a sting. Um, last season was kind of his breakout year. And like you said, Connor, he's become a consistent with the U.S. men's national team, and things were looking on the up and up for him. Portland trying to fight in that final spot in the playoffs. Um, that was a big win to get them back over the playoff line, but that's just brutal. Um, yeah, hopefully he comes back soon, and hopefully he comes back better than before because he was – Really starting to turn a corner. I think a lot of people were excited about this guy's development, but this injury is giving another tough, tough battle he has to deal with and Portland have to deal with. But hopefully, hopefully he comes back soon and comes back well and good because he's an exciting young talent in MLS. I think we're all excited to see. Yeah, it just shows what. Uh, aside to, I'm completely going off base here, but uh, in reference to what Josh's point in terms of recovery, just shows how insane Connor McDavid is rehabbing a PCL tear to the point where he barely missed four months uh, in the off season. <laughs> Guy's an animal. Um, but hoping the best for Williamson and all the other players who have suffered ACL injuries in recent memory. Um, TFC alone have had two of them. So I feel like it's sort of becoming a bit more common, but the medical advancements that are happening are meaning players are able to come back a lot quicker. Uh, so that's always a good sign. But another good sign is how much better MLS is than Liga MX uh, because <laughs> <laughs> the All-Star game happened and MLS won on penalties because Matt Turner lives in all of Mexico's head rent free. First of all, did either of you watch the game? I turned it on for the penalties. That's it. <laughs> And I'm thankful I that I did. You are a psychopath. Why? What do you mean I'm a psychopath? First of all, soccer. Okay, I'm going to watch soccer because I love soccer. Second of all, uh, MLS. You know, I just wanted to, you know, it was the thing happening for the night. There wasn't exactly anything else on to uh, to take my attention away. Honestly, I wasn't planning on watching the game because I play soccer on Wednesday nights. However, the heavens opened up on my pickup group, and then there was lightning so we had to cut our game quite short so i actually made it home in time basically for the game um so yeah i guess uh i felt like i had no choice <laughs> i guess that's where i'm going with this <laughs> have you guys wait did you guys get hit by that hurricane uh it's gone Not really okay well that's because drew's a little farther away from me uh it's been raining non-stop for the last like 24 hours here okay so, so yes, it's not that bad then it. No, no, no. In terms of like hurricane, no, but lots of rain, yes. Some some crazy wind, but not really. Maintain you should you two should move to Canada. Wouldn't have to deal with that. Uh but Drew, what are your thoughts on the MLS All Stars dominating and destroying the League <laughs> MX All Stars? 
Yeah, I did not watch this game. I was too busy trying to finish Game of Thrones. I'm not going to lie. I'm almost about done. I am in the middle of Season 7, Josh, and I just finished a woozy of an episode. I'll tell you after this because I don't want to spoil it for our listeners. (laughs) Um, By the way, that season has been out for five years now, just putting that out there. Wow. Awesome. I hate myself now. I can remember my friends talking about it in high school. (laughs) Well, that don't okay. Well, I mean, you're only 21, so it's not like I'm going into fourth year. Crap. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> about this game, um, I just think it's awesome that Ricardo Pepe kind of hit the hit the dagger there after it was. I think Stu Holden broke the news at halftime that he would be on the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifying roster, and to do that in that situation, I think is pretty hilarious. But, yeah, good win. Penalties kind of add a little, maybe not as sweet as maybe a 2-1 win or something like that, but it's always good to beat League MX in anything. And when the CONCACAF Champions League trophies are not rolling in to the U.S. or Canada, any win is a good one. And, I mean, we have League's Cup. That's exciting, right? But, yeah, good win. We'll see what happens. L.A. seemed pretty cool. I didn't like the jerseys, though, that MLS wore. But Walker Zimmerman got in. Miles Robinson got in. Gustavo Bo got in for my other favorite team, the Revolution. No Whitecaps were there, unfortunately. What a surprise. Uh, So let's just recap real quick this summer, right? Uh, U.S. beats Mexico in Nations League for trophy. U.S. beats Mexico in Gold Cup for trophy. And Canada should have beat Mexico if not for the BS that we've covered on this podcast in the past. And now MLS, which is mostly American with some Canadian thrown in, beats the League MX All-Star team. Meanwhile, on the other side, League MX All-Stars did win the skills challenge. So congrats to them. Crap. They did come away with that. The only thing that matters. (laughs) Congratulations for winning giant. uh, Oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. What's it called? You throw the ball down the thing you have to get it bowling in the no not bowling it ski ball giant ski ball <laughs> congratulations for winning giant ski ball that's pretty accurate honestly all right so after that awkward silence <laughs> um, i'm really good at ski ball by the way i just want to throw that out there how come I'm, that's one of the least surprising things you've ever said <laughs> <laughs> i you just see, yeah, you seem like a skee ball player. You seem like the kind of guy who'd spend hundreds of tokens playing skee ball. <laughs> All right, let's get back to soccer. Uh, and something almost as entertaining as playing skee ball the Mass Brothers. They have bought out, I don't know if it's the rest of Inner Miami because I think Beckham is still an owner, but yeah. the two guys who were selling. They've bought them out. And I want to say the evaluation for what they purchased the shares for was like $550 million, something yes, like that. It was uh, somewhere like around there, $570, $590, something like that. What do you guys see as this being... Uh, do you think this is going to be big for Inter-Miami? Or do you think this is just sort of something that's going to really not mean anything in the long run, and it's just the Moss brothers continuing to uh, amass control over Inter-Miami. Pun intended. 
What? Never mind. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's really going to mean anything just because I don't know what else can you do, right? I mean, they're spending money. They have done, I feel like, everything they can do. They broke the rules, literally broke the rules. Still not doing too well. They've hired a new coach, not doing too well. So I don't think it's going to really mean anything. I think there's just such a big hole there that I'm not sure if the same owners just getting more control of the club is going to fix. So I'm not really thinking this is going to do anything. Every time we talk about Inter-Miami, it's always they're trying something new. And then weeks later, we're talking about, oh, they're still really bad. So I don't think it's going to do anything, but we'll see. I mean, eventually, right, a broken clock is right twice a day. Eventually, they got to get something right. So we'll see what happens. Josh, do you think this means anything for Miami? Can either mean that the club will fall further into dysfunction since they were already a big part of the club or stability in the long term, I guess? I don't know. We all know that Inter-Miami's near-future prospects are pretty bleak, so I'm we not all, really we, sure how this changes that. We all know it's going to be number one. We <laughs> all know that's what's going to happen. All right, so spiraling further into dysfunction it is. <laughs> Which is the no, least we'll surprising thing you possibly could have said. Of course. It's, they're dysfunctional. What can we say? What can we say? What do, you, do you see this being as bad as we're sort of, or as I'm making it out to be, or do you think this could potentially be have some success to it. Like I said, this could be some sort of stability long-term, right? Because if there's less voices at the top, uh, you know, it should be, there should be a more clear objective, clear goal, clear vision moving forward. And as far as it seems, right, the, the mass brothers have been the most involved along with Beckham, uh, especially Jorge mass. So in that regard, at least the club will go in the same direction now instead of multiple directions, uh, it'll be a lot harder for them to rat each other out now going forward when they're breaking <laughs> roster rules. Um, but yeah, so same direction, whether that is backwards or forwards remains to be seen, but we can all agree that the, the club will be uh, moving forward together at least. We hope we don't know what the Moss brothers relationship is. It could be terrible and this could cause even more dysfunction. Uh, although I think that's probably Probably unlikely, but you never know, considering they signed five DPs, and we didn't think that would be possible. But alas, here we are. Speaking of coaches, uh, as Drew had mentioned, I'm having an interesting coaching selection. Uh, there was a lot of movement on that side of the field, Spe specifically between two teams, uh, because for some reason they decided to fire their managers just before they played each other. Uh, but let's start with the one that I sort of saw coming and I think sort of made some sense. Mark DeSantos, fired by the Vancouver Whitecaps. This happened after they lost to a CPL team again. This is the second time that the Vancouver Whitecaps have done that. I think both times under Mark DeSantos' Mark Dos Santos's control. Uh, they lost four to three to Pacific FC, who was also rivaling them in terms of location because they're both in BC. But the interesting caveat to that entire, it's doom and gloom. The Caps were actually on an eight game unbeaten streak in MLS with three wins, five draws. 
Josh, I want to start with you because you're the Mark DeSantos fanboy. Do you agree with this firing? While I must admit that I am disappointed to see Mark DeSantos go, I understand why it was made and why it essentially had to be made. Uh, you know, losing like that in the Canadian Championship to a CPL team is pretty much unforgivable. That being said, I am disappointed that they haven't taken in the Whitecaps' recent run in MLS into account. Like you said, three wins, five draws. Um, They ended up winning right after he was fired as well, which I think they would have won regardless. I don't really think his firing had anything to do with the, the win itself. So I think that part of it is disappointing. But at the same time, I mean, there were legitimate questions being asked of, of Dos Santos, right? We talked about it on the pod, but there was that one article that was published about how um, like all progressive passing from his midfielders like stopped as soon as he became coach, which is uh, incredibly shocking. And also you cannot win if your midfield is never playing progressive passes. Like it's, it's pretty much impossible. Uh, so there was probably a correlation between uh, his midfield sucking and the team sucking so we'll see going forward again i think the timing of it uh, besides the canadian championship defeat i think the timing of it is really strange just because of how they were playing they just got you know big reinforcements with ryan gold um and he has already delivered like it's been like three games for him and he's already got like four goals and three assists or something crazy like that so he's already uh been really beneficial to them and they're they're on a good streak right now so it's definitely disappointing to see him go at this point, he'll probably end up as an assistant somewhere. I, I mean, we can we can go ahead and bet that's going to be Seattle uh, based on some of their moves this week, which we'll uh, get into a little more. But yeah, I, I'm disappointed to see Dos Santos go, but of course I completely understand why it happened and why it basically had to happen. I think he's going to be a head coach. Toronto? Potentially. Cincinnati probably more likely uh, because I could see them wanting to go the MLS experience route. And I think Toronto will literally back a Brinks truck up to Bob Bradley's house. Um, So I, if Bob Bradley doesn't have an extension come December, you know where he's going. Uh, I will put it that way. I could see Mark DeSantos getting another job. And I think, as you said, Cincinnati could be an option. I wouldn't rule out Chicago too. I feel like he might suit there uh, with the vast experience that he has of rebuilding a terrible team um, and at the same time ruining a terrible team. So maybe he sounds like the perfect manager for Chicago. Uh, I wouldn't rule him out being a head coach, but Drew, you're the Vancouver Whitecaps fan because you're a fan of half the league at this point. What were your thoughts on Mark Dos Santos getting sacked by the Vancouver Whitecaps? As the league expands, so does my fandom. But yes, as far as Marco Santos leaving, I think I think Matt Doyle tweeted something out about it that it was pretty interesting that after a Canadian championship loss, that, that was kind of the trigger that made this happen because I think a lot of people in the league don't value the Canadian championship that highly, obviously compared to U.S. Open Cup and things like that. Especially here in the States, it's very viewed as... Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, like pick your poison, which one of those three is going to do it. So no one really cares about it here. But when, like you said, the second time in a row, 
that did they have it did they have a competition in 2020 yes because toronto fc technically won it and uh, because they were going to face a cpl team but instead tf they gifted it to tfc so that they could compete in champions league this year uh getting gifted champions league bursts me and josh know nothing about that but um yeah i think it's it sucks hopefully you want to see him do good but vancouver's been tearing it up he they have been on a really good run had a good win after he left which we'll talk more about that but that was a really good shot to kind of to get for vancouver to get a trophy because right now i mean unfortunately connor toronto's not going to threaten vancouver I mean, if you beat, beat Montreal in the final, that'd be a good way to kind of turn around this mass season for Vancouver if they were to go on and win that. So I think he was on thin ice. He has been on a good run as of late, trying to push the playoffs. But, man, you can't you can't excuse losing to a CPL team twice in a row when you're trying to be the best team in Canada. So understand it. It sucks. But Vancouver, I don't know if they're going to slow down anytime soon. And the team that they did win against on the weekend was RSL who had their head coach leave to become an assistant with Seattle. It gets even more interesting though, because Atlanta, Atlanta United agreed to pay his release as part of the deal to hire former Seattle assistant Gonzalo Pineda. What is happening <laughs> and Why? All I can say about this is Garth Lagerway, the GM for Seattle, is a genius for figuring out how to swing this. I mean, honestly, because this man said, okay, you're going to take an assistant coach. All right, fine. You're going to pay to get us a new one. (laughs) It's going to be the head coach of another team. Um, But in all seriousness, great move from Seattle. Very smart thinking ahead and thinking creatively in a way that I'm not sure anybody really expected there's no way anybody expected this um but on top of that like you know you can kind of read the writing on the wall right rsl is in a bit of flux right now because they don't really have ownership and this was freddie Wars's last year with the team contract year uh he probably wasn't going to get an extension he probably didn't want an extension given the uncertainty out there in salt lake so kind of just seems like a good move all around i mean it kind of sucks for rsl because now they have to have an interim, and now they got to find a coach on top of finding an owner. But really, I, I mean, I feel bad for RSL, but at the same time, nothing can really happen for them until they finally get their club sold and get that ownership. So we'll see going forward if it ends up working out for them. But a crazy move from Seattle, if we're being honest. Pretty crazy move. And maybe Juarez can swing this into a head coaching job back in MLS down the road, as we've seen these Seattle assistants leave for bigger and better things. So good move for Juarez, good move for Seattle. Drew, what did you think about Juarez leaving RSL? Um, Also, I don't know if you guys know anything about Pablo Mastroni, who's taking over as the interim. Might be a little bit before our time since he was last coaching for Colorado in 2017 before he was fired. Uh, But what did you make of all this craziness? And how about the 4D chess from Seattle? Yeah, like you said, it's pretty back crap crazy. No one really knows what the heck is going on, but that's MLS, and it's really awesome. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere. RSL is in a pretty decent run of form. I think they're currently sixth in the playoffs right now, if I am not mistaken. I'm looking up right now, which 
the seventh, sorry, they're seventh in the playoffs, which is a lot higher, I think, than most people for sure predicted to start the season. And when, you know, if you had told people at the beginning of the season that, you know, a little over halfway through, RSL is going to be in a playoff spot, they're going to be in seventh place, and then their coach is going to leave. By the way, what's going on? That doesn't make sense, but that's just the way the league goes sometimes. It's a wild world. And, yeah, that's the most Seattle thing in the world, right? You lose an assistant. It's like, okay, here we go. Let's get someone else from a playoff team. Um, so we'll see what happens. RSL is an interesting situation or interesting club. Like you mentioned, ownership's all over the place. They've been through a whirlwind. And now you have a new coach with a team that's not too terrible. And MLS put out a piece that um, – Mr. Oney didn't expect to be in the situation at all, taking over as interim coach after it was announced that he would be taking over. Um, but yeah, it's a lot, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully good things for him, because that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that, probably including Freddie Juarez. Uh, but here we are. Uh, he's now an assistant coach for the Seattle Sanders, which is good gig for him. Uh, but final front office move of this week happened I want to say yesterday as we're recording this which is Monday Matt Jordan fired as GM uh, by the Houston Dynamo this is incredibly unsurprising to me did he even do anything apart from maybe sell Albert Ellis and even when they sold him they still haven't gotten the full transfer fee because Boa Vista is basically bankrupt I don't they know, made man. the playoffs one year. They won an open cup. <laughs> wow, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> real, real good success. Do we know if this has anything related to the Houston Dash? I have not seen any news on that regard. Totally separate. Yeah, I think this is just the Dynamo side of things. He was not involved with the Dash in any way that I know of. The Challenge Cup champions. So one team in Houston is doing pretty good. Everyone else, not so high. It makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does in some sort of way. Uh, But I don't really know if you guys have anything you want to say about Matt Jordan. Uh, I really didn't even know he existed uh, up until his firing, which is saying a lot. Um, Any thoughts on Houston firing Matt Jordan? Good riddance. And also, I don't expect this to be the last of these kinds of moves from Houston. I expect Tab Ramos to be fired. I expect a lot of the Dynamo to be cleaned out. Remember, they're under new ownership as of only like a couple months ago. So this isn't really that surprising when you when you think about that. Yeah, new people always love to bring in their new guys. Drew, do you have anything you want to add? Nope. Can't get worse than the bottom of the table, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully it bumps them up. I think they're at the bottom of the table. That's they the definitely bottom. are at the bottom of the table. At bottom of the Western Conference. Bottom I wonder who's bottom of the East. No. Yeah. <laughs> we will get into who's bottom of the East. We'll quickly go to an ad break so we don't have to talk about uh, my said team sucking. Toronto We'll sucks. be right back. <laughs> and we are back talking some MLS games and things and getting ready for the next upcoming week in Major League Soccer, and we're going to start with the game of the week we all expected. Austin and Dallas, the Battle of Texas, the heart of MLS Heineken Rivalry Week. With Dallas winning 5-3, to three, it was wild, it was crazy. Ricardo Pepe, Jesus Ferreira each scored a brace. 
Austin conceded four goals in the first half. First off, before we get into another potential coaching change, is there anything at all to take away from Dallas? Is this a potential turnaround win, or is this just a you played a bad team, you beat them up? Because we've talked about before, that little mid to lower pack of the Western Conference is kind of a crapshoot right now. Does this mean anything at all for Dallas? I don't. I don't necessarily think it means anything in the from the point of view of just one game, but if you look at where they stand right now, they are only two points out of sixth place. And like Drew was just saying, there are actually was that six teams, six teams separated by just three points. So that literally means a game just one week can change the configuration from sixth place all the way down to 11th in the West. But Dallas are in the midst of a pretty decent run. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not winning like every game or anything, and they're but they're definitely not losing every game. I mean, they're they're putting together some some strong, consistent results, and I think this just kind of speaks to that. Uh, but at the same time, as Drew was kind of alluding to, Austin are terrible. They are really bad. They're really bad. The roster, I don't think is is bad. I think they have a lot of good players, and they seem to be coached pretty well. But I think at this point, their lack of any sort of goal score has stopped them from winning games to the point where now the team is just stuck losing. It's not even that they're a terrible team. It's not even that they're incapable of winning. Because, you know, this isn't some Cincinnati roster, right? This isn't some, this isn't some Miami roster we're talking about. This is, like a, this is like a Nashville caliber roster. This is on the verge of being an LAFC or Atlanta caliber roster in terms of the base of things. So they probably shouldn't be losing like this. And I think it speaks to the team and the atmosphere. The fact that they were able to kind of claw their way back in because it was four to one at one point and they did make it, I think four to three before Dallas found that last goal to kind of put things away. But you know, they're just, they're just bad. They're just bad. Drew, did you say the thing about uh, Josh Wolf being on the hot seat? Yes. Do you want to talk about that now? I just want to throw in that I don't think he should be on the hot seat just because there's still a lot of the season left and it's only been one year and I think you need to give him at least another transfer window. And also, they didn't they didn't do a ton in this transfer window. They only got Drewsy, I think. So I think you should give him more time. I think he deserves at least another like off season with the team. Uh, if they're still this bad, you know, 10, 15 games in the next year, he's probably fired. Uh, but there should definitely start to maybe be some questions asked about him and maybe from Claudio Reyna and how they've built this squad. Uh, Connor, do you think Wolves should be on the hot seat? Do you think Dallas are finding their way? Do you think it's just because Austin's bad? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on this particular game? This very MLSy game. I don't think he should be in the hot seat yet. Um, I think it's an expansion side, and it isn't necessarily an issue with him. It's more an issue with how the squad was built. And I think if you give him another off, he deserves another offseason to bring in that goal scorer who can actually put the ball in the back of the net, despite the fact that they did manage to score three goals on the best center back in MLS. Um I'm talking about Nkosi Tafara, if you haven't put two and two together. Uh, but I don't think he should be on the hot seat yet. My big takeaway from this game, though, is 
I was probably wrong on my Ricardo Pepe probably isn't good enough yet. Um, he might be kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> he might be kind of good. Uh, I still think it's early to judge in terms of him being a potential star, but he is definitely better than I thought he was. Although he has had his stats boosted by a couple games where he's scored multiple goals. So it'll be interesting to see where he's at at the end of the season um, is what I'll say. And FC Dallas are blessed with an unbelievable strike partnership with Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira uh, in two incredibly young players who are 1 million percent going to be sold in probably the next 12 months. Um, So FC Dallas fans enjoy this while you can, because it's very, very not going to last. But you know, I think being able to hold the fact that you are the development center of MLS is probably pretty good for you. Uh, it's much better than being the Cincinnati or Chicago of MLS. But Drew, do you think Josh Wolf should be on the hot seat? I feel like we should give this question to everybody. Um, or do you think it's too early for Austin to sort of draw conclusions with him being a success or a failure as a manager? I think it's way too early to put him on the hot seat. I like the number Josh gave about, say about halfway through next season, if nothing turns up here, 15, 20-ish games. I think then you could start to have that conversation and it'd be fair, but we've said it before, this is what expansion sides are supposed to look like in MLS. Not everyone's going to be in Atlanta, LAFC, Nashville for that case. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some bumps along the way. There's going to be some Cincinnati's out there in the expansion world. So I think it's way too early to put him on the hot seat. I think give him some time, see what he can do. But again, after next season, I think is when you can really start to take those questions seriously. Again, if nothing turns up here and next year is kind of the same of what we're seeing right now. As far as Dallas goes, I feel like any team in that wild little bunch there in the Western Conference, anytime you win a game, the conversation is, oh, can you make the playoffs? Because that's just how close it is. You win a game, you get a couple of results to go your way across other teams, and it's looking a lot more reasonable to make the playoffs. I mean, you look at the number, Dallas is 10th in the West, which sounds like there's no way, but they're two points out of that playoff spot between Portland and RSL. And Portland just went on the road and beat Seattle. RSL is kind of a shoot right now. We don't know what the heck's going to go on there with RSL. So, and Vancouver is getting hot. So anytime you win a game in the Western Conference, it feels like that's potentially a playoff, turning the page toward making the playoff. playoff. So they could do it, I think. Um, but again, the bad thing, the good thing about that is you get a win, you're right back there. If you lose, you're kind of falling behind because someone's probably going to win in this pile here. So you got to play up to it every day. You got to take points when you can. And credit to Dallas, they play a team that's worse than them and they took points, but they're in a battle right now. And any unlucky break, any injury, any crazy nonsense that happens could hurt them as far as making the playoffs. But Josh Wolf should be on the hot seat. It's expansion season. He's not Houston, so that's good, but too early for me to be on the hot seat. All right, let's go from one manager who could potentially be on the hot seat to one manager who is no longer on the hot seat because he's gone, and another team who just had their manager choose a different team. RSL versus Vancouver. Vancouver won 4-1 to one because they're a better team, and I maintain that they're very underrated, along with Montreal. 
Ryan Gold, goal and an assist. Florian Jungworth uh, also scored, and Brian White added uh, uh, Vancouver's fourth. Can Vancouver make the playoffs like my prediction early in the year of them being right on the bubble? Or do you think they're too far out of it at this point? Where do you sort of see Vancouver finishing come the end of the season? And how much can you actually take away from this game, given the fact that RSL's players just had their manager say to them, I don't want to be here. I'm going to be an assistant coach for a team in the same conference as you. Uh, so I don't think it's so much this game by itself, right? We were talking about it earlier, but Vancouver is in the middle of a really good stretch of eight undefeated, now nine with this win. And then as far as making the playoffs goes, it's not, I don't think it's a case of can they just because they're only one point out of sixth place. They're one point below that cutoff line against the team they just beat. I think it's a matter of, you know, is the, is the squad good enough? And it's really early, but I think Ryan Gold is the answer for them. I, I do think that this was the, and they've been saying it, right? They've been saying, we need a number 10. We're trying to get this number 10. Well, they finally got their number 10. And again, it's early. It's only been, you know, like four games with him. But there's a reason why they're in the middle of winning and not losing by drawing. Uh, also, the fact that they're back home, in Vancouver is a big boost for them. It's a big boost to all the Canadian teams uh, except Toronto. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, the to me, it's not whether they can or can't make the playoffs. It's, it's just how the heck are these teams going to shape out? Like Drew said earlier, I mean, it's these six teams that are all within these couple points of each other, and there's only two spots for these six teams. And that's not even factoring in, you know, Minnesota could go on a horrible run here in the next... I mean, they are kind of not doing well right now. They did beat Houston this weekend, but before then they went like three or four games without a win, I think. So other than the top four right now, which is Seattle, Sporting KC, Colorado, and the Galaxy, I, I'm i not really sure about those final three spots. And so with that being said, I think Vancouver have a very good shot to make the playoffs. Is it going to happen? I would not comfortably bet money on it. Uh, if it was like you guys where you're only betting like a dollar, I would bet a dollar that Vancouver are going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, Give me those odds because those are probably good odds we're making money. But if I had to bet like my, my life savings, then no, I would not bet all that money that Vancouver is going to make the playoffs. But yeah, they're, they're positioning themselves well with uh, how many games left for them? 13 games left in the season for them. Everybody's at about... 12 to 14 games left. So they could do it. They could, they could do it. We, what I need to add to this, by the way, they've been doing a lot of this without Lucas Cavallini. Imagine what they're going to look like with Lucas Cavallini and Ryan Gold. It's a formidable duo right there. They can make a playoff run. Like, so I think they can make a playoff run, but Drew, you're the White Cops fan. You're supposed to be unbiased in your opinion here, but you won't be. What are your thoughts on Vancouver making the playoffs? They absolutely can, and I think they will because they are at home a lot of the time. They play Austin Saturday, and when they go on the road, they have a couple tests here and there. They get Houston on the road, so if you have a chance to steal points there, they close the season 
with the second best team in the Western Conference, the Seattle Sounders at home. They play LAFC, who they just beat. They could totally do it. They're back in BC place. Ryan Gold is tearing it up. Little mid non-manager. What's the word for it? Non-manager. New manager bump. Is that the word for it? Whatever it's called. When you get a new manager and the team starts playing good randomly. They absolutely can. And I think they will make the playoffs. Will they make a run in the playoffs? I don't think so. But I think they will. I think they can. And I'm excited about it. I think they will. I think they will. Cavallini, Ryan Gold, that's a duo. I'm a big fan of it. Get BC plays packed out. I think they'll make the playoffs. Another thing I do want to quickly add, uh, I think it was the GM. It might have been the owner today, or I think it was today, on Sportsnet Radio, mentioned that they are also still looking for a third DP, which will likely be a defensive midfielder. So this team could get even better, potentially. Um, adding that player. So I could see Vancouver going on a good run. Uh, but we need to address that comment from Drew because the the best team in MLS, we know they're the best team in, MLS, oh, in, no. in the West. The best team in the West. Oh we know they're the best God. team in the West. Oh. I wouldn't, I would be comfortable saying they're the best team in MLS in the playoffs. And you cannot debate me on this. They've been to well. We're four. not in the playoffs. No, we have. We're not yet. But Seattle Sounders versus Portland Timbers. Obviously, Seattle lost. We won't even get into that second goal because I don't know what the hell Cleveland was doing. Uh, but that was just diabolically bad. Drew doesn't think Seattle is the best team in the West. Drew is also out of his mind. Josh is a little bit more sane. So let's hear the argument for Seattle being the best team in the West. And has your, actually, has your opinion changed because of this game against Portland? And do you side with Drew now? No, to most of what you just said. So no, I don't side with Drew at all. No, this doesn't change my mind because it's just one result. Uh, I watched all the game, and to be honest, Seattle looked bad. They did not look exceptionally good. Now, they still came close to scoring a few times, and if even one of those goals had gone in, it would change. It would have changed the, the makeup of the game considerably. Uh, they're still the best team in the league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the fact... All right, so Drew, if you're going to call them the second best, that implies that there is a better team in the Western Conference. I would love They're not the second best is. team in the league. They're the third best team in the league behind the Revolution I, in Kansas City. Okay, so you Kansas can't City. you cannot tell me they're better than the Revolution. I have said many a thing about the New England Revolution this year, so if there's anybody who's going to say Seattle's better, it's me. <laughs> but uh, I'm not even arguing that. I'm trying to talk about the Western Conference part of it. They are better than Kansas City. It's not even close. 3-1. It's not even close. That's one game. That's After one a four-run winless stretch, which included a 3-1 loss to said Kansas City and San Jose and drawing with Dallas. After losing to Minnesota two games earlier. Who's, the, who's literally higher in the conference right now? Who's higher in the conference? It's Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Because they're Seattle. Seattle. That's not you know that's not how it works. <laughs> all right, thank you. That is not how it works. But we can all tell from the eye test, 
from recent history in the last couple of years that we know, everyone knows for a fact, Seattle's the best team in the league. They're the best franchise in the league for that matter. If I'm not going to argue wish, that. I wish there was a way to prove this. Like, I wish we could just make Seattle and New England play each other tomorrow, but we all know Seattle would win that game. Uh, aren't they dealing with injuries right now, though? Injuries aside, pretend they're at full strength, Seattle would win. Full strength, I would give it to Seattle because I really like Seattle, and I think they have the best super sub in MLS in Nicholas Benize. Uh Obviously, <laughs> I side with Josh. Wait, when was the last time Benazay did anything? He literally played in this game. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, like, a goal contribution of any kind. Oh, I don't follow him that closely, but the guy <laughs> is one of the best passers in MLS. Like, he's disgusting. Uh, I think he's incredibly underrated. But I side with Josh on this. I think Seattle are the best team in the West. Uh, league, I still think I give the edge to New England, considering they're seven points above them the last time I looked. Um Look, I think this is a bit of a blow to Seattle in terms of losing to Portland. But at the same time, they hit the woodwork four times. Four times. The second goal should never have gone in because Stephen Cleveland, I think his first name is Stephen Cleveland, misplayed that ball just abhorrently badly. Like, they, that was embarrassingly bad. Uh, they've been playing most of this season without... Stefan Fry, who is, for my money, top three goalkeeper in MLS. I think Seattle is the best team in the West. I don't think it's a discussion, honestly. Um, yeah. Can I go now? <laughs> uh, one no. second. I just I need to bring something up really quickly. Uh, Canada is the best women's hockey team in the world as Marie-Philippe Plain just scored uh, the golden goal for Canada to beat the U.S. Now you may go. If Seattle and New England were to play tomorrow, where would you, where would it be? What stadium would it be in? Because this matters. Um, I vote... I vote whichever stadium North Dakota State plays at. Like, middle of nowhere, no bearing whatsoever. Like, can't even picture the stadium. Oh, I know. The baseball field in Iowa. Oh. just use for Field of Dreams. That would be awesome. I vote BMO Field because they both have a lot of experience there. The reason that matters is because Seattle is not good at home. We have a look that they, they out of all the playoff teams... They have lost to two non-playoff teams at home. Their away record is what's keeping them up there. Their most recent MLS Cup one was at home. Uh, that, that, that's last year. I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this season. They're not good at home. Their away record is what's keeping them up there. They lost to Portland at home. A not, now they're in the playoffs after they beat Seattle. They lost to San Jose at home. They're just not. They're, they're not good at home. They're not that level. At home, yeah, they have five wins. Is it goes wins, draw, losses, or win, losses, draw? We've had this discussion before, and we have no idea. Uh, they're five, three, and four at home. I don't know what that means, but they're five, three, and four at home. They're playing about a little over five hundred level at home. Where are their playoff games going to be if they keep up this pace? They're going to be at home, where teams can beat them. 
they're just they're good. They're not the best though, because they can't do it at home against pretty milk teams. So if you can't do it at home against San Jose, Portland, I think they even drew with Dallas at home. I find it very hard. And let's be if they. If Columbus wasn't Columbus, they would have lost that game too. I'm not going to talk too much about that because we all know Columbus is a crap show right now. But, no, they're not. They got beat by Portland. They did hit the woodwork a lot. But if we're going to talk about that, then we can't really – because that 6-2 to two win felt like everyone was like the world was burning. But three of those goals were like bangers that – are probably going to happen like once every couple seasons. I think the expected goals was like three to two, something like that. So it broke Seattle's way last time against Portland. It did break their way this time against Portland. And for SKC, SKC is currently on their worst run of the season. They've gone four straight without a win, three straight without a win, three draws, drawing to Portland, drawing to Tim men, SKC, and drawing with Colorado. They've gone three games without a win. That's their worst stretch of the season. Seattle went four stretches without a win, which included two home losses. It's not going to get any better, though, because they sold their best player. They just lost to Portland at home. No. And SKC beat them 3-1. Out of four straight, not getting a win. SKC has gone three. So this is so. Seattle went four straight without a win, their worst run of the season. Sporting Kansas City's worst run of the season is three games, and they haven't lost. And one of them they drew down a man on the road, which I think speaks more to Minnesota than it does to Kansas City, but I digress. Big test will be this weekend when Portland play uh, Houston. So if they can't get three points out of that game, I'd be very worried if I were Portland. In terms of SKC... They play LAFC. That'll be an interesting test. And they get Chicago. Meanwhile, Seattle's got Minnesota, a team that they recently did not beat. They lost to Minnesota. I think you're being too low on Seattle, but uh, we'll see what plays out the rest of the season. We won't get into the Portland side of things because we've already talked about Williamson and Blanco and Felipe Mora scored, uh, so I guess that's notable. But let's we got through this a lot faster than I thought we would, um, but I'm impressed. Let's do goals of the week, players of the week, and games to watch, of which Josh still hasn't made his pick. Starting off with our goal of... Wait, there's MLS this weekend? Yes. Are you kidding me? I just assumed, given the World Cup qualifying that's happening this weekend, that there wasn't, because why would this stupid league decide to hold a bunch of games? Oh my god, there's, I should have I should have known. There's I only get, nine games. Oh. Only nine. Well, Atlanta's not one of them, right? No. Okay, I think that's why I assumed because I knew I wasn't going to a game this weekend. All right, I'll I'll get some figured out. In the meantime, why don't I start with my goal of the week since it's the best? No, it's not. Um, that's not even close. No, <laughs> it's not. It's not the best. I will not lie. Uh, Ronald Matarita though, he had a fantastic rocket against Columbus uh, for Cincinnati, and I think it was like a few minutes after Lucas Elaron hit yet another free kick goal. So there were like awesome goals back to back within a few minutes of this hell is real derby game. 
so yeah, went with Matarita. I think it, it was a ball that was kind of like rolling out of the 18 and he just put all his laces through it. And that thing like shot like a laser beam through traffic into the goal. It was very pretty. Drew, you made the wrong selection, but what is your goal of the week? I went with Jesus for a second goal against Austin. It was kind of a mick goal, but the lead up to it was really cool. There were some good layoffs. I think someone had a back heel pass, and it kind of just bounced around. Felt to Ferreira. He smacked it. Good goal. His second one of the day in a big win against Austin. I went with Jesus Ferreira's second goal against the trees, the boys in green. I don't know. Connor, Verde. what was Verde. Verde. <laughs> Connor, what was your goal of the week? I went with the best goal of the week, and I don't think it's even debatable. Brian Rodriguez's fake shot galore. Absolute banger. Missile that came off of his left foot from a very tight angle. Really, really nice goal. Disappointed neither of you went with either Johnny Russell's free kick or uh, Zellerian's free kick, but that's neither here nor there. Um, what about players of the week? Because you had a couple of choices, really, and... Well, none of us picked the winner. Well, Josh technically did, but none of us picked the winner as our main guy. Drew, you were the most out there uh, in terms of your selection. Who was it and why did it come from your fourth favorite team? Who knows, man. But I went with Ryan Gold. I think we I think he got a shout last week. I don't know if he won or someone just voted for him. Last week, Josh voted for him. I don't know if he won. Maybe he did. But he got a goal and an assist. He didn't win. Josh is nodding. <laughs> no. Shaking. <laughs> well, I always thought People don't nodding. Say nodding their head no. You shake your head no. No, because nodding starts with N-O. That's how no, my brain went. No. Oh. no. Don't think of it like that. My life is a nobody lie. nobody corrected you this until you were That's 22. what's wild. It took me having a podcast with you guys for me to understand what the difference was. Ugh. But I went with Ryan Gold. He got a goal and an assist. He's been tearing up with Vancouver. Vancouver's been tearing up as of late. I went with Ryan Gold. You guys had two of the same people. I will go. First of all, because I want to say, Drew, you need better friends who will actually correct you on things. Um no response. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> he's like he's, trying to think back his whole life. He's like, where did it all go wrong? Yeah. When did I? Why did no one tell me that? I think my mom just watched me. and was like, what an idiot. <laughs> well, I think every kid's a bit like that. My brother, he used to not be able to say spaghetti. He used to say pischetti. <laughs> uh, so that's my, that was my brother's thing. But my player of the week, I went with Felipe Mora. Uh, Goal and an assist against Seattle. Played a really good game coming off of that injury. Uh, so giving him a bit of love uh, for a good, really good result against the best team in the West. Josh, why did you follow him or why did I follow in your footsteps? And who was your secondary pick? Yeah, I mean, Felipe Mora was a, a good shout. Uh, but my secondary pick was Ricardo Pepe, who, again, he got his brace. Um Kind of unfair, I think, to his teammate, Jesus Ferreira, who also had a brace. Um, but at the same time, Pepe's just been on fire. And, I mean, so far he seems like he's the real deal. He had an excellent week given his call-up and performance at the All-Star Game and All-Star Skills Challenge as well and uh, the the performance on the weekend. Hopefully he can keep that rolling um, into 
into World Cup qualifiers this weekend. We'll see, but yeah, he was a pretty easy secondary pick for me, and he did end up winning Player of the Week. If we didn't already say that, we haven't. He did win Player of the Week, and uh, a deserved Player of the Week because of his performance against Liga MX. But let's do games to watch. We will start off with Josh because you had the least amount of time to pick, and your Player of the Week plays for one of the teams. Yes, although he will not be playing for them this weekend because MLS decided to schedule games during a FIFA World Cup qualifying uh, window because that's how MLS has to do it. In, um, in fairness, they, they though, have to do it. In fairness, who foresaw FC Dallas having a player involved in any of the national teams? Uh, a lot of people probably because they have an excellent academy and they put out really good players that have featured for the U.S. Youth National Teams numerous times, like Paxton Pomichol, Jesus Ferreira, Edwin Srio, uh, Brandon Cervania. I mean, the list goes on and on. Anyway. I disagree um, because who sees an academy player playing in World Cup qualifying? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Go ahead. Yeah, that is a good point, and that just speaks to how good Ricardo Pepe is. Um, right, Connor? Um <laughs> I, the worst. <laughs> so Dallas, Dallas is one of the teams playing in the game I picked this weekend. I picked uh, their game on the road at uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, and I decided to go with this game for a few reasons. One, I want to see if Dallas can keep this run going. And, and again, can they do it without Pepe? Because if you look at the stats for when Ricardo Pepe starts and when he doesn't for FC Dallas, it is a night and day difference. And it's not, you know... As, that's not to say Pepe is the only reason the team wins, but he's a big part of the reason why they win. So I'm curious to see how they handle his absence. And I'm also curious to see how RSL can maybe manage to rebound because they're without a head coach and they've got Pablo Mastroni now as their interim. And I am very curious because they're still above the playoff line, right? Like they are not by any means out of the race for the playoffs. And as we've said numerous times, uh, numerous times on this episode tonight, there's a lot of, teams in the running for those last few spots. So I'm very curious to see how RSL handles losing their head coach against Dallas, who want to see how they handle not having their arguably their most important player with them on the field on Saturday night. So RSL versus Dallas for me. Let's keep it in Texas. Drew, what's your game of the week? I was really confused, but I forgot to see who the team I was pulling for was playing. I went with Vancouver versus Austin because Vancouver is on a hot stretch. This is a team they should beat against Austin. And yeah, if they win, they're right back up there above the playoff line for uh, however temporary that may be given the results of other games. But they've been on a good stretch. This is a very, very, very winnable game for the Whitecaps. A win here would go a long way and I think really start to open some eyes as to the Whitecaps potentially making the playoffs, which would be a phenomenal turnaround given what they just were in earlier this season. So I went with the Whitecaps versus Verde. Connor, you got a really good team against the best team in the league. What is your game of the week this week? Well, it's the best game of the weekend. Philadelphia Union versus New England Revolution. Uh, Friday night, 7.30, two of the best teams in the East going at it uh, with largely full-strength teams because... They don't really have anybody who's involved in World Cup qualifying apart from Tajan Buchanan, uh, who I think made Canada. Um, so should be a very, very good matchup. Uh, looking forward to it. But if we have nothing else to add, 
Drew. Yes. For the New England game, Carly's heel is still... Eh, we don't know if he's going to be there or not. Yes, he's, he's back in training. He is, finally, uh, which is a good thing. So we'll hopefully see him at some point in September. Not that they've needed him, because for some reason, whenever the Revolution are missing their best players like him or Matt Turner, they just win regardless. So Almost like they're a top three team in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> every every day I stray closer to to admitting defeat, but we're not there yet. I'm holding out hope. <laughs> we're getting pretty close to Josh having to admit defeat there because New England are a really good team. But without anybody having to say anything else, Drew, take us out. Yes, thanks guys so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. As always, visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, to check out some really awesome written content from our writers as they cover the craziness that is soccer in North America. Follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex to see stories get tweeted as they get posted. You can find us on Twitter to rant about our bad soccer takes. Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So if you give us a follow on Twitter, visit the website, and as always, leave us reviews on the podcast. We love hearing ways about how we can get better, how we can improve, and we cannot do that without reviews. So please leave us a review. We appreciate it. And as always, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.